No, I am so gay for San Francisco, San Francisco. on Baytime. BFF.FM. I caught it bad just today. You hit me with a call to your place. Ain't been out in a while anyway. Was hoping I could catch you throwing smiles in my face. Romantic talking, you don't even have to try. You're cute enough to fuck with me tonight. Looking at the table, all I see is bleeding white. Baby, you living the life, but nigga, you ain't living right. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy, I cannot pretend. I'm not faced, only you to sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can. Call me when you want, call me when you need. Call me in the morning, I'll be on the way. Every time that I speak, a diamond and a nine, it was mine every week. What a time and incline, God was shining on me. Now I can't leave, and now I'm making hella hilly. Never want the niggas that's in my league. I wanna fuck the ones I envy, I envy. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy, I cannot pretend. I'm not faced, only you the sin. If you've been in your garden, you know that you can. Call me when you want. FF.FM from San Francisco. You're on Baytime. It's the gayest radio show you've ever heard. I promise. Not because I'm here, but because Poyo Del Mar is here. Hi, Poyo hey. Del Mar. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. I'm really stoked. Um, if you missed last week's show, well, first, shame on you. It was good. It was <laughs> Getting, it was sloppy. No, but um, we announced that we are moving. We're moving time slots um, starting the very beginning of Pride Month, which makes this our final week on Mondays here on BFF.FM. Hasta la pasta Mondays. We're excited because we're moving into the overnight, which means that we can, um, I guess, after hours, unleash after dark, Poyo a little bit more than we already do. I mean, nobody has a leash on Poyo. Poyo is unleashable. <laughs> Goodness. So, um, beginning with, so this will be our last Monday. Um, I just next, referred to myself in the third person. It's fine. This will be our last Monday with uh, with uh, Poyo Del Mar in the third person. Um, we'll hopefully get that fixed before Pride Month. And then our new time slot will begin Never. Wednesday, midnight to 2 a.m. Yes. Yes. Starting on June 2nd. So we're kicking off Pride Month. And coming up this afternoon, we have a guest on this show. We have Juanita Moore, um, the new empress of the Imperial Council of San Francisco. This is huge. Really, What what do you think we can expect with Juanita? We're going to find out details about the hottest party 
going for this year's San Francisco Pride festivities. I can guarantee that. And we're also going to probably find out how she became an internationally recognized fashion icon whose literal wardrobe over the last many decades was featured at the DeYoung Museum. That is a fact. Juanita Moore will join us this afternoon, just after five o'clock on Baytime, on our first show of Pride Month. So Wednesday, June 2nd, we have a huge special guest, and we're gonna announce who that is a little bit later on in the show this afternoon, but this guest, this is massive, is it not? It's massive. Anymore? It's yeah. massive. I mean, I've heard, but <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but the guest is also going to be fantabulous. So you're not going to want to miss out on this. No, not at all. I will announce that later on this afternoon. From San Francisco, I'm Christopher Beale. That's Pollo Del Mar. You're on BFF.FM and on Baytime.
BFF.FM FM
BFF.FM. You're on Baytime in San Francisco. You heard about this a couple of weeks back on Baytime. Our friends at GAPA in San Francisco have kicked off the first ever QTAPI week. QTAPI stands for Queer and Transgender Asian Pacific Islanders. Here's a clip from On Bay Time just a couple of weeks ago where Michael explained the whole thing to us. For the first time ever, an, a Queer and Trans Asian Pacific Islander week, QTAPI week, uh, to add one more acronym to your to your lingo here. Uh, but <laughs> the first ever QTAPI week or QTAPI week, um, the first ever to be recognized in the city and county of San Francisco. Um, I, I'm in the midst of doing that now, and we're going to try to make May 22nd through May 29th um, the first ever QTAPI week in county of Sa- city and county of San Francisco um, because, you know, uh, May is the, you know, a- APA Heritage Month, and then June is Pride Month, and we in the QTAPI community are sit at the intersection of the two. And so the idea is we also have a new new-ish coalition um, started in 2019 um, and over the many years we just want to keep organizing and mobilizing our community empowering our community inspiring our community and so we want to also show off the different types of organizations that we have so GAP is part of that uh, we also have API Equality Northern California or APINC we also have uh, Parivar Bay Area, which really focuses on South Asian trans and gender non-conforming community. Um, amongst many, many others, the Rice Rockettes, you know, for example, um, the all API drag troop here in San Francisco. Uh, Those girls have been around just, for a million years, honey. And can I just I say know. that you amaze me at your recall? Cause like, you're just like firing these off. Like <laughs> I'm dizzy watching you, but you like, wow, your recall for all this stuff is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm just, I am, um, I am kind of a, very entrenched in the community right now. And, um, I, and it's one of the co-founders of this QTAPI Bay Area Coalition or Bay Area QTAPI Coalition. We were like, we should have a week. We should make this a thing. Sometime between late May, early June, we'll have a week. And so we've now landed on May 22nd through May 29th. We're going to have a huge celebration. I am literally making the permits right now on May 29th in the Castro. Uh, just kind of a, a solidarity celebration of our identity, you know, um, from 11 a.m. to about 5 p.m. Oh, in the Castro so great. off 18th Street. Yeah. So it's going to be super fun. It'll uh, we'll have some, you know, speakers in the morning and speakers throughout, but then really just a dance party and also show a showcase of our amazing, talented entertainers and speakers. Really excited for QTAPI week, Pollo Del Mar. Some of the events they're going to do. This is so fun. Um, Gaijin Gamer Night is coming up this week on the 27th. Do you know any Gaijin gamers? I know several Gaijin gamers because there was an entire party dedicated to gamers. And that's G-A-Y-M-E-R, gamers. Um, at the Eagle for a long time. And a lot of it was brought to us by our friends who are Gaijins, Gaijin gamers. Well, that's happening happening on the 27th, part of QTAPI week. And then the closing party starring the Rice Rockettes is happening on Saturday, next weekend, the 29th. Um, you can head to gappasf.org. We're also going to link to the Facebook events in the description. I went to the kickoff over the weekend. Um, this week has been really cool, and I'm really excited to see if we can get this back next year and the year after and the year after and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, my God. I have just so many of my early 
memories of San Francisco relate to the Rice Rockettes. My very first ever friend in San Francisco, um, a Gaysian self. That's the first time I ever heard the term Gaysian. He was like a self-described Gaysian. My friend Dean Fowles, who now lives in Manila in the Philippines, um, used to take me to the In Touch Bar, which was on Polk Street. It was exclusively, well, not exclusively, but largely um, uh, gay Asian Pacific Islanders or people who we would now associate with GAPA. And so they and the Rice Rockettes had a show there hosted by Tita Ida every Thursday night. I used to spend my Thursday nights with Dean, Tita, and the Rice Rockettes at the In Touch. My first full year in San Francisco was just so much fun. So, so, so much fun. So you're saying definitely worth it to attend that closing party on the 29th. Absolutely. Uh, the Rice Rockettes doing their thing live. Yeah. I still love the, I lo- it's a whole different set of Rice Rockettes now. You know, it's a revolving cast over the many years because we're talking 20 years ago that I first met them. But I have so many of my gal pals who are part of the Rice Rockettes and I just adore them. So absolutely go and go and see them. You're, you never know what to expect with those girls. GappaSF.org. Uh, we just love our friend, Juicy uh, Michael. Thank you for coming on uh, on Baytime a couple weeks ago. Good luck with uh, everything you're working on there at Gappa. Pride Month is already kind of underway. Or about, let me rephrase that. Pride Month is about to get underway, and a couple of California municipalities are getting to Pride first. We'll unwrap those, and we have a huge guest announcement coming up before 5 o'clock this afternoon. You're on Baytime. BFF.FM.
Sorting through emotion, drugs, pills, and potions. I'm fighting with my demons tonight. Addicted to the feeling, higher than the ceiling. I'm chasing down a savior tonight. Baby, baby, won't you come see? Like you've been here once before 
FM, you're on Baytime. I'm Christopher Beal. That's Poyo Del Mar. Hey. And we both live in San Francisco, um, different parts of it. I live downtown and you are specifically. I'm, I'm out near the Mission Terrace, Excelsior slash Bernal Heights area. Perfect. So um, very different, uh, very different road structures in, in our two areas of town. Um, very different types of drivers, I would say, in, in our types of town, in our parts of town. Um, the other day I was finishing up a Facebook live broadcast here in the studio. And so I didn't, thankfully, I wasn't, I didn't get to hear the horror of this happening. But um, right in the crosswalk outside of my apartment building here at Polk and Hayes, um, essentially someone ran the red light here at Polk and Hayes, hit another car, um, and flipped and hit a pedestrian and two pedestrians from what I was yeah, told. One was transported. Um, and I haven't heard an update. Um, and then, um, one, this woman just died there, uh, there in the street, right outside my apartment building. Um, the police came in and shut, shut down uh, our, our block here, um, put up barricades. Um, it was, it was a really, really, really strange and dark night. Um, our security here in our building, I guess, had the closest camera footage. So the police were in and out of the lobby all night, you know, talking with security. And it was intense. And I bring all of this up to say, um, like, if you drive in this city and you have those moments where you feel like you need to, like, lay on the throttle, there is nothing worth what you're going to go through if you hit somebody there's nothing where you you're going to do prison time if you hit somebody like that period 
it doesn't matter if they stepped out in front of your car. It doesn't matter if you, it, none of it matters. You hit a pedestrian, you're in deep, you're in deep shit. Yeah, I mean, um, so start there. Don't drive like an asshole is what I'm trying to say, um, because some, one of my neighbors is dead because somebody was essentially in a hurry and and just had to blow that fucking stoplight. And I'm sorry, I'm angry about it. But um, yeah, that's all I have. Just stop driving like assholes in the city. People are dying. It's not cool. You know, this the infrastructure of our city is definitely changing in terms of where people can drive, where they cannot drive. They are doing a lot of rerouting of things. It, it becomes a little challenging, I think, for everyone involved because we now have, for example, bike lanes and pedestrian lanes and driving lanes. And they, in many places in the city, they all converge. And that doesn't necessarily happen um, or reflect on the situation here at hand. This was a clear case of somebody trying to make it through a red light and things went horrendously and tragically awry. And the irony of this whole situation is this was right outside of your home, Christopher. And I have a, a friend who's um, crashing at my place while he's going through a breakup. And he actually was on site and like on scene and saw all of this too. So I'm, you know, I'm hearing it from two different perspectives, but. Oh, and it, it, to be clear, it was a hit and run as well. The driver, the driver, the driver, driver did take off. Yeah. Um, one person dead, one person in critical care. We don't know the update. I'm sure there's an update been published on that, but I think that it really speaks to the fact that when you are in an environment like a downtown area, the rate of speed that one should be going is nowhere near whatever was happening here. And driving it, in a downtown corridor should not be convenient or timely. Yeah, it, it's and it's it to be should be slow and annoying. It, and it's to be expected that's, you know, and the I think that this is just a, such an unfortunate situation. I know that. Um, one of the city council members, um, Matt Haney, was on scene for that, and he actually is the the councilman who oversees this area as well as the Tenderloin area. And hopefully, you know, he'll be doing some things at his level to perhaps make some some changes and and better protect individuals. But you know, I I want to j just say that again, no matter what your rush is, I just when I was reflecting on what happened, I thought about not just the individual who lost her life in this tragic incident and the other gentleman who was also apparently a pedestrian who was struck and whose life will be dramatically changed because who knows what kind of recovery time he'll have or the injuries that he suffered, but also the extended families. Like, you know, while I do not want to decriminalize the driver in this situation, which was obviously going to do significant whenever they're identified is going to have uh, some real life altering issues as well. But just think about all the families and friends and individuals who are traumatized by this and whose lives will be forever altered as a result of this. It's, um, you know, those are the kind of things that ran through my mind and whatever, you know, let somebody know that you're going to be running late and just and get just there on time and get there down. safely. Just slow down. It's, mm. It was, and it was the thing that was really upsetting. And this is dark trigger warning. The thing that was really upsetting is that they shut our entire block down like a fortress and just left her there in the street for hours. And I mean, this, there's one, two, three, at least three apartment buildings within full view of this scene. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, it, yeah. So uh, for the family of the woman uh, who is from Denver, apparently 29 um, years old, 29 years old. Um, hitting an intersection by an asshole in a hurry. <sighs> 
I don't know how to follow that. All um, there's a ton of issues it brings up. Is it time for is it time for even even further expansion of uh, less cars in downtown? Is it time for uh, more speed abatement procedures, more speed humps, more things to slow everything everybody down? And I know that people that drive will say that's inconvenient and that's not fair. But the reality is, if I hit you on foot in your car, I'm not going to kill you. If I hit you on a bike in your car, I'm not going to hit you. If you make a mistake in your car to any of the rest of us, we're dead. You know, and it, it, it just, I don't know. It yeah. Really I mean, uncomfortable uh, for pedestrians. I think that this certainly does bring some concerns to light. And I will tell you, I live in a very residential area, not, not a, in an area like this, which is very um, urban and, um, you know, metropolitan in terms of the, you know, being surrounded by, urban and downtown infrastructure. But even on my street, we have had concerns where we have been long trying to get people on our, just this tiny little street that I live on where we've implemented speed bumps and where we have tried to do things like redirect. I have a, I live on a two-way street and sometimes I live at the very corner. It's so weird because our street is shaped a little bit like a J and right as the, the street starts to curve is where my home is. And I've lived there for 15 years and I'm not even kidding when I tell you there have been three accidents in my driveway because nice. it's at a corner. My my upstairs neighbor's minivan was totaled in our driveway in a hit and run accident. Um, you know, I've seen multiple things like this. And so we've even in our area of town have tried to take measures where for perhaps our street becomes a one way where there's not uh, cars that are converging from two different directions at this dangerous curve or put in speed bumps so that people do not lose control of their vehicle on this corner and end up in my driveway. Um, so when it comes to things like this, you know, there's, there's definitely ways that we could take action to make people better protected. And I think that hopefully since somebody like Matt Haney, um, city councilman was on, on site, perhaps he's going to be able to do something that's going to to take effect there. And I, I do not necessarily think that limiting downtown um, car traffic is going to be the answer, but I think that certainly adding things that would be more protective of people, like adding speed bumps, things that would force people to more closely adhere to the speed limit, to the speed limit. Yeah. San Francisco's uh, San Francisco's a really cool place, but there are jerks everywhere, including here. Um, slow down. I think that's the message. Um, we have a huge guest announcement coming up before five o'clock for our first show of Pride Month. We're also going to talk about um, areas around California that are kicking off Pride Month early. That's coming up on BFF.FM. Closed my eyes so I couldn't see it. Felt so numb, but now I'm ready to feel it. So tonight I'm making friends with all the creatures that are hiding there under my bed I ain't gonna hold on to these monsters anymore Now I'm gonna let in all the light turn down the walls At my worst I found my army strong all the
getting too complicated When I should have looked and I guess I've been looking in all the wrong places Until I said, hey, how you doing? Yeah, hope I'm well Time to put that love on myself Before I give it back to someone else I need to, I need to put that love on myself I need to put that love on myself Before I give it to someone else yeah. Love on myself, love on myself Waiting and waiting I know that you had to be patient Sorry for taking your time up and wasting in all the wrong places Until I said, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I hope you're well Cause I've been putting love on myself Now I can give it back to someone else I need to, I need to put that Do. 
You think that it's okay if I would rather stay, even if it's just a little bit. At least it's still a trace of souvenir for me to feel, even if it's just a taste. 'Cause I like it, yeah I like it, yeah I like it, baby. You, yeah you're a not, yeah you're a not. I can't undo, yeah you're a spill, yeah you're a spill. I can't remove, baby you're a. FF.FM Community Radio for San Francisco. You're on Baytime from San Francisco. It's our love letter to San Francisco's LGBTQIA community. I'm Christopher Beal. That's Poyo Del Mar sitting over there. Hello. Poyo, it's almost Pride Month, and we're celebrating here by moving to a new time slot next week on uh, Wednesday, June 2nd, midnight to 2 a.m. Really excited about that. But um, municipalities, cities, counties all across California are beginning to get into the Pride spirit, beginning to celebrate, beginning to book concerts and in-person things again, which is a really big deal. Um, are you looking forward to Pride season? Are you planning to like get out and about this year? Um, I or just spend the whole damn thing on Twitch. I'm going to be on Twitch, honey. I'm twitching. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash Poya Del Mar. That's a plug. But it is. Uh, but, you know, the, the fact is that I am not only looking forward to seeing where things go in terms of the Pride festivities this summer, but I'm also optimistic knowing that the Pride festivities in California as a entire state are really staggered. So they are spread out, not just in June. So by the time that we get through June and see all of the, you know, the people leading the path and paving the way for what's to come later in the summer, I really think that places like Sacramento, uh, which usually celebrates a bit later mm -hmm. into the end of summertime and other places are really going to really really be able to knock it out of the park because they're going to have somebody who has kind of tested the waters first yeah and well and all these acts that have been off the road for a long Hell time yeah. are, are going to be uh testing and there, a lot of them are out on the road and you're going to recognize a lot of these names several of them we we play or have played on Baytime. but i want to start with la because los angeles is getting uh, getting into the pride spirit starting on sunday june 6th they're doing um out loud raising voices and it's adam lambert live at the la memorial coliseum that is such a cool show by itself. Have you seen Adam Lambert live? Um, I saw, yes, I have. <laughs> I've uh, seen Adam Lambert live. I also saw Adam Lambert when he was on tour with Queen. So yes, that was such a good show. It was a very different show, but it was a very, very good show. Adam is such a, an incredible interview. First of all, I know that we both interviewed him in different capacities in the past. We need to get him on Baytime. And he is also somebody who is an incredible live performer. And so it's a real treat to get to see him. It is, especially with, um, you know, opening acts sometimes are, are you know, hit or miss, but the, the opening acts for this are pretty stacked. Um, Angel Bonilla, Shelly Wright, Kim Petras, who uh, we play here on yes, Baytime. Yes, we do. Uh, Sam Sparrow, Vincent featuring Parson James, uh, Kavine, I hope I said that right, Kavine Herbie, uh, Ty Sunderland, and uh, Zavia Wood. Let's Zavia try to, Ward, sorry. I want to try to get, um, I want to try to get Queen 
Queen Herbie on here. She used to be one half of the group Carmen, and I have like long ties to them. What? Uh, yeah, so she had been story time with Poyo. Well, she she was one of the headliners that I had a few years back at Gay Day at Great America, which was probably that. Sadly, it's discontinued, but it was presumably my favorite LGBTQ event of the year. We should do on Baytime Pride at Great America. That'd be fun. Yes, it'd be so fun. You and me and like three of our friends be like, <laughs> yes, just us. just us, girl. <laughs> be we, we, we could probably get a package of tickets, like by six of us. And then, you know, that would leave one for us to try to give away at the door. LA's Out Loud Raising Voices concert is part of a three-day uh, LGBTQ plus uh, Pride Artist Series, June 4th, June 4th, wow, words, June 4th through the 6th in LA. Headlining June 4th is Sophie Tucker, and the main act on June 5th is Haley Kiyoko. So um, that's a hell of a concert series. So if you're down in Southern California, check that out. Haley, uh, also Sophie Tucker is just awesome, an awesome interview, and they make such fun music. Um, another, neither one of those individuals is a duo, their boyfriend, girlfriend, neither one of them is actually LGBTQ, but they identify so much. It was, I did an interview with them a few years ago and it was so good. Maybe we can get them back to, that'd be fun. San Mateo County Pride Center is doing a week of virtual pride activities. You, you had to know that some areas were going to do stuff that's, um, that's virtual. That's uh, June 6th through the 12th. According to their website, events are going to include performances, workshops, trainings, things like that. And uh, this year's theme of San Mateo County Pride is diverse as the universe. So San Mateo County Pride getting into it. Girl, you're sitting next to a former headlining act of San Mateo County Pride. Yes, yes mama. I, I headlined <laughs> San Mateo County Pride a few years ago. It was the most fun gay flea market I've ever been to. It was, it was swelteringly Goodness. hot, and there was at least dozens of people there, and it was it was just a really good time actually. But it was uh, I'm really glad to see them getting back into it. You know, it's really difficult when you are someplace like San Mateo Pride to make your pride stand out when you're legitimately side by side, basically adjacent to San Francisco. And San Francisco's pride is so all-encompassing in a traditional year yeah. that it just absorbs every single thing. It's an event. It's a destination. People come here for it. Literally from around the world. So the fact that we've got places like San Mateo County, which is legitimately adjacent to San Francisco County, um, kind of stepping into this arena, things like we also, you know, Santa Clara County for a long time, you know, San Jose had its own pride. And those are things that in terms of being so close to San Francisco, I just applaud them for wanting to represent a, on a really localized level. And that's what I felt about San Mateo Pride was that it was really low, had a really local feel and it built that local community, which sometimes is overlooked and um, underappreciated in comparison to people just basically being like, who cares about being gay at home? Let's just go to San Francisco. Right. Sonoma County is actually getting to Pride first this year. So bravo, Sonoma County. Bring on the wine. And they're not doing like one like thing. They're not doing just one concert, one event. They're doing an entire month of festivities that will have a Wizard of Oz theme. Their website is SonomaCountyPride.org. The month is going to, well, first of all, I want to talk about one of the things they're doing, and then I want to talk about their concert. But uh, one of the things they're doing, which I think is really, really smart, is instead of doing a traditional pride parade, which encourages people to crowd and gather, they're doing a drive-through pride parade where the floats and the performances are stationary and people can drive through in their cars. 
and and watch oh, the performances. Cute. So I think that's a really cute idea. So that's something Sonoma County Pride is trying out this year. So go support that. Even if you're in the Bay Area, load up the car with the girls and go up there and check it out. On June 26th, this is huge. Sonoma County Pride will culminate with an Oz-themed Pride concert. Um, Ryan Casada, Bright Lights, Morgan McMichaels, all performing at that show. And... The one and only Todrick Hall is their headliner. The headliner, Todrick Hall. This is a huge deal for Sonoma County Pride. Todrick is a great get for them, I think. Absolutely. You know, Todrick Hall, famous, of course, now as a one of the lead judges on RuPaul's Drag Race. People see Todrick on a regular basis. People associate Todrick very closely with RuPaul because of the fact that he's on the show as well as had, had her in many of his music videos. People may also be fully aware that Todrick Hall is Taylor Swift's BFF and has Bestie. not to be mistaken with BFF.FM, but nice they are BFFs and he is also her choreographer and has appeared in so many of her music videos. I don't know that you could get higher recognition and or visibility than being in a Taylor Swift music video. Um, so, but he's also a phenomenal artist in his own right. And if you haven't become aware of his catalog of music through such things as On Bay Times, where we play Todrick almost every episode, um, you should definitely check it out. Well, we play Todrick on every episode, but Pollo Domar, um, next week on our very first After Dark episode, first midnight to 2 a.m. episode. Todrick Hall will join us on Baytime. Yes, he will. I'm so excited to have Todrick Hall um, on our show. This is a huge deal. We've been working on this behind the scenes. We're really excited to share it with you. Um, Poyo, what are you looking most forward to talking to Todrick about? Because you've already mentioned Taylor Swift. You mentioned RuPaul. Like, what's the tea you're digging for? I want to know if he's single and ready to mingle. Are you vaxxed but not waxed? Because I am. (laughs) Hey, boo. Riveting journalistic questions like that from Pollo Del Mar when Todrick Hall joins us next week on Baytime. So Wednesday, June 2nd, midnight to 2 a.m. here on BFF.FM, the one and only Todrick Hall will join us on Baytime. So make sure you don't miss that show. Um, For this week's show, we have Juanita Moore. Amazing. The Empress of the Imperial Council of San Francisco. Yes, the reigning empress of all of San Francisco, Marin and San Mateo counties, honey, is gonna be here with us. She's also a legendary nightlife figure who has individually, even without being involved in the Imperial Council of San Francisco, probably raised close to a million dollars through her annual charity events during Pride weekend. Her Pride party is iconic and a huge fundraising source for the city. So, so excited to have Juanita on. You've heard it. We've got the guests. Juanita Moore joins us after five o'clock on BFF.FM. And in one week, Wednesday, June 2nd, midnight to 2 a.m., joining us for essentially the entire show will be Todrick Hall. Juanita Moore joins us after five on BFF.FM. Do I have your attention? 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 Is you taking notes? Three, two, one. We about to go off, off, off. When the speakers go blow, blow, blow. Everybody turn up, up, up. It's about to go down, down, down. Make the whole room spin, spin, spin. Turn the bass up loud, loud, loud. We about to go in, in, in. And we can't stop now, now, now. Fuck it up. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. Dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't. 
do I have your attention? Fuck it, don't dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't dance. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't Do I have your attention? I was chilling in the club, looking cute all by myself. I saw my ex looking a mess and pressed up on somebody else. So I strutted up to the dance floor and I took off my earrings. I did a kick into a split and showed him what he was missing. Like, do I have your attention? 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 Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't Do I have your attention? Do I have your attention? I was treading in the gym, looking like a F and 10. When I saw my ex again, his new bay was a seven. So I twirled up to those weights, put these cakes in his face. I did a squat, my butt said bam, and his new man said, girl, goddamn. This shit jelly, it ain't jam. They say thick, I say yes, ma'am. Then I serve him a shablam. Where my phone, get my cam. Post his body on the gram like that's how bad a bitch I am. Now, do I have your attention? 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 This is a fuck boy PSA. Talk to the left hand, talk to the left hand, cause you ain't right. Which one of you motherfuckers I'ma fuck tonight? You staring, you staring, my booty know you see him. And tell your new boyfriend to stay out of my DMs. You heard me, stay out of my DMs. You so nasty, stay out of my DMs, stay out of my DMs, my DMs, my DMs. Do I have your attention? Don't stop, 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 don't stop,
BFF.FM. From San Francisco, you're on Baytime. It's the gayest radio show you've ever heard, I promise. Our guest spent most of her life in the Bay Area, and she is the new empress of the Imperial Council of San Francisco. That was all I could fit into a sentence. She's so much more. Please welcome Juanita Moore to On Baytime. Hi, everybody. Good to see you both. Oh, my gosh. Before we started recording, Juanita, you were saying how like you've been just inundated with media appearances and things of which you've created for yourself, you said, and it's working your gay nerves sometimes. But the thing I was wondering is like, are you that person like me who, if there's literally even one second of your day that is not somehow, some way booked or otherwise occupied, you just don't know what to do with yourself? Yes, that happens. Um, I'm I'm someone, you know, I'm a morning person. Dear God. Yeah. <laughs> Through the pandemic last year, I mean, I found myself waking up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning and like the brain just click on yeah. things you have to do today. And I'm a list maker. So I would make a list for my day and I would start checking them off and I would start working at by 5.30, I was out of bed and I was working. Jackson was asleep in bed. I was out, I was on the computer, I was getting things done. Sometimes I cleaned the apartment before Jackson even woke up before 9 a.m. <laughs> By the way, Jackson is her adorable dog. I was about to ask, I was like, for context, who's Jackson? Oh yeah, yeah, it's not some guy sleeping in my bed, it's my dog. Sometimes that's better, you know? <laughs> you know, um, but also he, yeah, he is like a, he is like a boyfriend sometime in the way he acts. Um, when he pushes me away and doesn't want me to hold him, you know, those kind of moments. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, he's going to be 10 this August and I never knew, I mean, I had, pup, you know, dogs as a kid, but I never knew as an adult how amazing this journey was going to be with my dog. Well, girl, the dog's almost as famous as you are. <laughs> Juanita, I want to go way, 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 way back before we get to your, oh, uh, God. To your victory. Um, okay. I don't know. I didn't, probably didn't need that many ways, and I apologize. That was disrespectful. Um, Juanita, where did you grow up? I'm only 33, so I know you're not going back further than 33 years. Oh, good. Well, it was three ways, so I was just going one for each decade. There we go. Um, where did you grow up, Juanita? I grew up in the East Bay. I was um, uh, born in Fremont and I was raised in Hayward. And um, I came out in San Francisco as a teenager. Um, in high school, I had friends that, you know, that, that were queer and they looked at me and said, oh, you're gay. Let's go to San Francisco this weekend. And like that was like 15, 16. So I really did come out in San Francisco as a young kid. Also in Hayward, when I was growing up, there was five gay bars in Hayward that were located downtown, which were on my way home from high school. So shenanigans did ensue <laughs> on my way home from school. Um, but yes, I was coming to San Francisco and uh, God, I was hanging out on Polk Street. Um, I was able to sneak into some bars. They didn't last long, maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time. But the thing that I always had was the keys to the car because I was the youngest one and the cars were parked on all the alleys of Polk Street. And guess who was getting real busy in the car? Me. And then <laughs> oh my, my, friends God. Come, my friends would come out of the bars and they'd be like, oh God, you know, nothing happened to get lucky. And I was like, yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> That's when uh, Polk Street was really popping, girl. Like, 
And I wanted to ask, because Polk Street, there was a time before the Castro when Polk Street, um, which is actually where uh, Pollo and I are sitting right now, uh, Polk Street used to be- At one of the, the corners, mind you. Mecca of San Francisco. Well, of course, we're classy. Uh, used to be the gay Mecca of San Francisco. Can you speak to, a, to that time for those of us that didn't get to experience it and like what Polk Street was like? Sure. I mean, I mean, we have to go back a little bit. We have to go back into the 40s when um, North Beach was. And you're only 33, so you weren't alive for that. I'm only 33. I was not. I was not around in the 40s when um, when North Beach was hopping as our gay mecca, um, where, where, when it was still illegal to be gay. Um, and then it sort of moved into Tenderloin and the area downtown around where Aunt Charlie's is now. Love that Aunt Charlie's. Was, um, was really probably the first start of what tr transitioned into Polk Street and then transitioned into the Castro. So that's where things first started. I have a lot of friends that, um, uh, one gentleman in particular who's 85 years old, who I take care of in my neighborhood, who was part of that generation in the Tenderloin. Um, he now lives in the Polk area. So the Polk area, um, started to become gay because people were cruising down by at the end of polk down by the water right you know, i forget what the what i forget what the building that's there it's a it's a maritime museum i it's think a maritime yeah, museum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so i guess that area was super cruisy um and then well bet where better to go looking for semen than at the maritime museum <laughs> god i mean <laughs> So true, um, and then and then of course Polk Street started to get um, a lot of queer-owned business started up there. Mm -hmm. that, that's that's when Polk Street became popular. It was literally just lined from one end to the other with queer-run and owned businesses, whether it was bars, clothing stores, um, all kinds of stuff. You know, it's a shame because we're all these years later, and the progress that we have made as a community kind of has a downside in term, some capacities because we I don't think we see that kind of thing anywhere even in the Castro like the, the you know the neighborhoods lined with us as queer people but I don't think that there's as many queer owned businesses perhaps as there once were even no I mean uh, now on Polk Street there's um, the cinch is the last gay bar that's there pretty much the holdout and there's a couple of other businesses that are gay owned that mm -hmm. are still there. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Armando is. He cuts hair on Sutter and Polk. So Armando's been there since the early 80s. I think he probably moved into that spot in 1980. Um, and he's, he's still cutting hair there, which is absolutely amazing. So, uh, I mean, there were great spots to go to brunch on Polk Street. Um, there were great clothing stores. Like I, what I, I remember going shopping for clothes to graduate high school in on Polk Street. One of the things that I'm interested in sharing with our listeners, you're a larger than life personality. I started drag 15 years ago. And by the time I started drag, Juanita Moore was already a legend. So talk to us about the evolution from that kid who was sneaking into gay bars as a high school student to where you are now. How did that really begin for you? And um, where do you see it now? Uh, it's it's truly one of my favorite stories. Um, uh, I was uh, I moved to the Castro probably in 82, 81, mm. 82. No, actually it was 83. I moved in the Castro in 83 at the like when AIDS was just starting, right? Terrifying time so to I be was there, girl. At, I was living at Beaver and Noe at the time. I was in <laughs> the thick of it. 
But also you have to understand that I was a super young kid. Mm -hmm. And my lifestyle leading up to that time, um, well, of course, I was going out all the time and sneaking into clubs and I had a fake ID, was running with a super fashionable crowd. And we were those kids who got all dressed up and stood in the corner and did our drugs by ourselves. Like, that's of course, fine. You know, it just was, this was how it was. <laughs> the more things change, the more they, the more they stay, stay the same. The same. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, so, so when I moved to the Castro at that time, uh, it was dark. And what was happening around me was dark. There was a lot of darkness. Um, I got involved in a lot of um, awesome things at the time to help support the community. But I was also lost as to what was gonna come next, as which most people were. So one of my roommates who I was living with moved to New York and I started to visit him during the summer. So I went for two years, I went at least twice or three times a year. And I was starting to make that decision that I wanted Maybe I wanted to move to New York, which mm -hmm. because San Francisco was not leaving home for me, right? San right. Francisco was already home. I didn't feel like I left anything. So I did decide to move and I moved in 87 and um, went to Boy Bar in um, on St. Mark's in the East Village. And that's where I saw Glamamore perform for the first time. And that, that was actually that was actually on the last visit before I moved there. And I literally looked at Glamamore on stage and said to myself, oh my God, this person is going to be a part of my life. And I did not know how. I also was not, I wasn't surrounding myself with drag queens as a kid. I really wasn't interested in dressing up. It just wasn't me, not even, you know, just wasn't me. I just wasn't thinking about it. Um, but something about Boy Bar and the style and the way that they presented drag was to me the, my first like, wow this is drag it was comedic it was high fashion it was glamorous it was it was so many things and it was so diverse it was so many things that i was like whoa this really is art right so that was my first introduction to it i did, did end up meeting glamour of course and um still didn't do drag in new york i mean glamour considers me the first more boy because <laughs> guess what i was doing in new york i was carrying glamour's bags well, also for the listeners who have never seen Juanita Moore out of drag, you are a very attractive man. So I can only imagine that in your early days in New York, you were breaking hearts and 100% would qualify as what all of us think of as the more boys, the hottest boys in the club, the most inaccessible and the most drugged out. That is, that's so funny. It's the views and opinions um, of Poya Del Mar, Mar are the supporters. I don't, think it's, a, I don't think it's a wrong perspective. It's not even an opinion. I think it's kind of like an observation. Like she runs with the hottest boys in town. Jeez. Um, I, so I ended up moving back to San Francisco. It's <laughs> just like moving on. I'm moving on. Um, and then um, Glamamore comes out for a quote unquote two week vacation which ended up, she ended up staying and never leaving. Um, but it was, um, Halloween came around and I was like, oh my God, like you need to put me in drag. Like, you know, you're an amazing drag queen. You know, Glamour knows how to sew, like the whole bit. And Glamour looked at me and just was like, please don't make me put you in drag. Like, can I just have one friend that is not a drag queen? Oh my God, for real though, that's the, Juanita, you know how it is. Like, as soon as you meet, like, any hot boy, within seconds, they're like, will you be my drag mother and put me in drag? And you're like, oh, God, no, not again. 
it happens. <laughs> You're like, that is not what I was hoping to put you in. Yeah, or put in you. <laughs> he put me in drag and I loved it. And I made him put me in drag the following night. The next weekend came, I wanted him to put me in drag again. And I just didn't stop. So that's that's where it was. But also, um, we were... We were in the thick of the AIDS epidemic in 92, 93, when I got back here and started doing drag. And, you know, I also ran away to New York thinking that I was escaping the AIDS epidemic when I ended up landing um, on West 10th Street, a block away from Christopher and one block away from the West Side Highway where they were at the time filming Paris is Burning. So I was still in the thick of things. Um, I, I was active in, um, supporting the HIV and AIDS community in New York as well when I was there. Um, so when I got back, I was it was almost like I had lost all energy to go out. Uh -huh. it didn't, it didn't, I didn't need that in my life at the time. So Juanita gave me that, she gave me that boost to be able to be social again. So yeah, that's where it started. For someone that's never seen um, seen you live, maybe somebody that's learning about you uh, because of your run for Empress, um, can you describe your drag aesthetic? Like, kind of describe Juanita for us. Well, um, I, I would say that visually, um, thank, thank goodness for Mr. David, who has designed well over 3,000 pieces of clothing for me. Um, that my style's very fashion forward. Absolutely. Um, and I love that. And I've worked with some, you know, and everything I've done, I never, I've never, never confessed to saying that Juanita is my creation. It's a creation of a lot of people. I've had great makeup artists show me how to do makeup. I've had great people do my hair. It's just been a collaboration from the start. And I still feel like it is. Um, so style wise, I would say I'm really fashion forward. Um, performance wise, I am a jazz lover and I always have been. So I still um, go back to um, listening to, you know, the great ladies of jazz. I, I've been really fortunate in my life to have actually, actually gone and seen a lot of great ladies in jazz. I've seen Ella Fitzgerald, oh. Sarah Vaughan, Nancy Wilson. Um, I mean, the list is just, it's, it's mind boggling. Celia Cruz, like I, I've just, mm. Every time that there was a show um, that was, um, you know, a lady of jazz, I was there for sure. So I have that aesthetic about what I do on stage. Um, I think that I'm um, a very kind person when I'm out, but I'm also um, also someone who has a barrier around me and doesn't let people get close to me unless I want them to. <laughs> That Would is, you say that, Poyo? I, you know, that's an interesting observation because I think that there are two ways to observe that scenario. Like, I think that for a person, for example, who may be casual, you would look inaccessible and you right. would look unapproachable. I, I think that with many drag performers, I think that whether you are like, unless you're that girl who's like throwing herself on people, which would probably right. be me. But yes. like, yes. you know, <laughs> I think a lot of casual observers in a nightclub setting would think that we are unapproachable because there's that fear of drag queens. It's innate to so many people. Yes. But, you know, so that's the one side, like, oh, she's inaccessible, she's unapproachable, she's, you know, distant, whatever. But the other flip side of that is to think like, well, 
she's also protecting herself in a various capacities by setting a boundary and you know projecting that and choosing who gets to come into her personal space and who gets to interact with her at a certain level because it can be super draining to give your all to a nightlife setting and have people coming to you when you are a, a person like yourself who so many people consider a mother figure obviously and you know all of a sudden you're shouldering the burden of 50 people instead of just oh, what you need you know, to do. Poyo, there's been times in One Night Out where I have heard um, of people's breakups, um, of people you know, losing their apartment, of people's HIV status changing. I mean, I've heard all of that in conversation and had those conversations and I pay attention and I listen and I, and I, and I respond in the best possible way and sometimes i need to follow up um so the night can be super heavy despite the fact that i have made it look like it's just a party <laughs> i and i will tell you i and this is not just glorifying Juanita as a guest of the show as a performer as a personality like i genuinely think that you are one of the most giving individuals because i look at people who are of a similar status in the community and they don't kind of have that engagement level that you do they have the they have the uh visibility level they have the success level but they don't have the engagement with the community which is why you're so beloved you know i really i i, I bless my mom and dad for those traits my dad was so social like he, I, I was a little kid going to the grocery store with him and he was not only talking to the checkout clerk, but he was talking to the person that was waiting in line to check out. Then we'd go outside and he'd be talking to the person in the car next to us who was loading their groceries. And we then all of a sudden we were outside in the parking lot for a half hour. That was constantly my dad. It annoyed <laughs> me as a little kid, but it was also a trait that I inherited and now really, really appreciate. My mom was a very private person, which is also something that I am. But when my mother walked into a room, everyone went, whoa, the party started. And I also have that energy. So I was blessed to have parents who were, um, they were super cool. They were really lovely. Being such a social butterfly during like normal times, 2020 had to have been challenging. Like, how did you, how did you stay sane during quarantine or, or were you even able to? I mean, I, I was most of the time, you know, I, of course I did um, get my little pod together of my family. Um, and we definitely made sure that we were having dinner once a week. And that was generally on Sunday dinner, which I've done forever and for years. And that was super important and super grounding. It came with a lot of bumps. And I'm talking maybe only two or three other people in my house. When all of a sudden one of them was like, oh my God, I ran into somebody who was with somebody who was with somebody else who tested positive. Like, I don't think I can come to your house for dinner. Like, We went through all those nights, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think the thing that I missed the most over the past year was having people to my house. I'm a chef. I'm a cook. I, I cook be and it's my gift. It's, it's the love. It's what comes out of me. So forever I've entertained in my apartment and um, have, have people over and give them that love. And I didn't get to do that the entire year last year. So that was really the hardest part for me. Yeah, I, I know that you... Very gifted cook, y'all. Very, very, very gifted I'm hungry cook. hungry just listening to this. So, I mean, legendary chicken, by the way. So mm -hmm. let's kind of move forward. I want to talk to you about, obviously, something that we have in common is 
both being Empress of San Francisco. And um, I know that one of the things that you noted that inspired you to run and campaign this year of all the years to become Empress of San Francisco was seeing the 50 Years of Fabulous documentary. So tell us a little bit about that, which encapsulates the history of the Imperial Court and how it inspired you to choose to run. Watching that last summer, uh, I've watched it more than once. And um, it really was inspiring to see the court's amazing work they did and how it got there. Because it really got there um, in an interesting way to me. It was constantly a fight and it was about civil rights and was political to an extent. And all those things are super, super important to me. So to see it peak and then to see its light start to fade towards the end of the movie was really just really upsetting to me. I mean, I have been asked before to run and I have looked at, um, looked at the you know my my drag sisters and and other empresses their schedules i was like oh my god i can't do that like like i'm already busy <laughs> you know mm -hmm. um but i i said i go i felt like okay you need to do this now i have a lot of followers i have a lot of friends i have a lot of family here um and you know, like you said poyo like i'm a mother to so many and i wanted to make sure that the court system moves forward. And um, if I'm capable of shining a brighter light on it, I'm going to do that. When the, the word first popped up, oh, Juanita might run in 2021, you know, like this could be her year. My first thought was like, I've heard that number one every year uh, <laughs> for like all 15 years of my drag career. Number two, you know, I came into the court system kind of in a different route as well. And when I ran, I felt that people even questioned my I don't know, I, I don't, my, my commitment to the court system. And you are in a different category altogether. I mean, you know, I think that people were shocked that Juanita Moore, the house, you know, the head of the house of Moore was going to become the Empress of San Francisco because coming from the nightclub scene for so many years, like the people in the nightlife scene saw the Imperial Council as like passe or old school or not important anymore. and. You know, talk to me about that kind of perception that may have surrounded us in the nightlife and how that may have played into or didn't play into your decision. Well, I mean, as you know, if we look back over the past, say, just 10 years, um, social media presence is, of course, grown so much absolutely and the court did not grow with that it did not so to me that really that's a big important part for me now to move forward i really want to make sure that their social presence is visible to everyone um i want to make sure that they get um you know new people to follow and become part of the court system another generation so i i think i have access to that i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a go <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, think already that you are going to be bringing such a new light to to the, the court. And it's one of the things I definitely love is that over the years, when people have decided to, you know, we've perceived perhaps that the court, the Imperial Council of San Francisco, which, by the way, is the second oldest LGBTQ nonprofit fundraising organization in the world. I just want to throw that in there, has been closed off to different sectors of community. And you, I think, number one, disprove that because you came in, you haven't been 
a quote court queen and you're the empress of San Francisco now, you really reflect what it represents, which is a public vote to choose who's gonna be our fundraising co-chairs for the next year. That's how I look at emperor and empress. And, and you are going to open the eyes to this um, organization to so many. And I really value that, as a, especially as, since as a newly elected, re-elected board member. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad and congratulations. I'm glad you're a new elected. <laughs> We're going to get to do this together and that's really exciting for me. Yeah. You and Era Amaya put on like an incredible mm -hmm. and high visibility campaign even amid COVID situation. Yeah. And um and I, it was such a blessing to get to see you and Era both present at our trip to the cemetery to celebrate uh Emperor Norton and Mama Jose Saria yeah. who was the first elected Empress of San Francisco and the starter and the, basically the originator of our court system. So tell us a little bit about why it was important to have such a, a fantastic opponent like ERA to you. I mean, ERA you know, also has a great social media presence and really rallied a lot of people to come out and vote. And I think that we both were sort of running on that platform of just like, I mean, I had a lot of people say, I have never heard of the court before, ever before today that you have asked me to come and vote for you. So I think both Ira and I really did a great job of getting that word out. Um, and of course, uh, voting day in the Castro, like I looked at that as a show. That was a show, right? Absolutely. The show. That's, that's how my brain thinks. I'm a producer at heart. So I was like, okay, it's a show. Let's put on a show, you know? Um, but I think Ira and Ira is just, such a sweetheart, you know? I definitely want to work with Ira on things in the future, so. Chris is over here doing producing things, but I'm like chit-chatting with mine and my girlfriends, y'all. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. I yield to Poyo on areas that are her expertise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and there are very few, so he barely yields. But my expertise is pushing <laughs> buttons and stuff. One of the things that you are so well known for is your ginormous pride event. It's not what I thought you were gonna say. Stop that. <laughs> I do not know about her ginormous anything else, but you know, now that we're sisters, maybe we can share, but nevertheless, um, Juanita, you are, you're already in plans to return to your ginormous, ginormously if successful pride event. Ginormously successful. I mean, you know, the past 30 years that I've been doing drag, um, I have focused a lot of my energy on giving back to the community. Um, to date, I probably raised over $900,000 for organizations that I think are doing impactful and important things. Um, last year, I, you know, we weren't able to have that party and gather that way. And I got together with Alex Yuen to do the People's March, which was so powerful and so needed. And it's still needed again that Alex and I are going to do the People's March as well this year. So that will still happen. Um, and I'm planning my Pride event at Jones where it has been home since 2012. Um, it, it, you know, for some reason that party, even when it was at, uh, it was at the Phoenix hotel for yeah, a while. That's where I remember it best. Yeah. I mean, like it was all, it always like the buzz was like, oh, you have to go to this party over the weekend. Like this is the party to go to. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a nonprofit event since its inception. Um, it's been, um, going for 18 years. I am super um, involved in making sure that it is going to be a safe attended event. Uh, there's actually a page on my website that is 
just guidelines on um, how you'll be able to attend. And um, I'm hoping that we just have a beautiful day and raise a lot of money. <laughs> I, I want to do a, a callback to something that we said, that you said actually earlier in this interview. And that's that, that is that back in the late 80s, when you went to New York, you saw Glamamore on stage and said to yourself, this person is going to be part of my life. The person became your drag mother, became yeah. the designer for like your legendary wardrobe, which was shown at the De Young Museum, yeah. became such an integral part of your day-to-day -day existence. And crazily enough, in 2021, like some almost 30 years later, is now your emperor as yeah. Mr. David. So it's <laughs> Mr. David and Juanita Moore, the emperor and empress of San Francisco. So Goodness. tell me about that. That's so cool. Kind of full circle. I, you know, I think I think the I think the most positive thing about it is that you're looking at two people who have collaborated together for close to 35, 40 years, right? So she's only thirty-three, folks. Yes, exactly. I was. She met Juanita collaborating <laughs> from the womb. Juanita yeah. is thirty-three. Um, so David and I, the way we think about things together. It's constant creative energy. And we build off each other, we finish each other's sentence, we make things better. And I think that that way of thinking is pretty powerful. So the two of us together um, as emperor and empress um, are gonna do some, some great things together. We've been talking about great things already that we wanna do. So um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I love hearing that. And I, I wanna ask something that uh, you and I talked about offline a while ago. You are used to, you're accustomed to things moving at the pace of Juanita Moore. You're now co-chairing basically a nonprofit organization, which admittedly has not even moved at the pace of social media. <laughs> so how are you going to reconcile being the empress of the Imperial Council of San Francisco, which may not have always kept up with the times, while you're trying to move things forward. Well, guess what? What? Mr. David is so good at telling me to just hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> he has been telling me that over and over for a long time. And, and most times he was right. <laughs> so he's good at telling me, just wait a second, we'll get that done. Yeah. I got an amazing team that believes in what I do. I'm surrounded by people who um, who know that there's a goal and we want to accomplish it because it's for something great. So, yeah, again, I don't I don't do any of that by myself either. So <laughs> that that's the humility we love. Well, and your team is super visible. Like if you if if you just happen to Google Juanita Moore, which is a thing I did this morning, um, your website is phenomenal. Where can people find your website? Where can people find your events? Where can people find your social media? Like it's all very cohesive. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think my website's uh, running really great. Um, the web hosting company is starting to tell me that I have too many images up there, and I should delete <laughs> some of them. And I was like, "Are you kidding? I have more that I haven't put on there yet. <laughs> There's still files of photos that are not on there." Um, yeah, the website's looking great at the moment. Um, you can find events there, past photos. Pass. I mean, just so, I got a store which I sell some amazing, funny stuff sometimes. So yeah, it's, it's all there. And all the info about your Pride event will be on there as well. Yes, it's on. It's on there as well. Yep. 
So, be- well, tell us your website. Juanitamore.gay. Dot gay. <laughs> That's By perfect. The way, I- Juanita, the true story. I pulled into a gas station in Daly City the other day and I look, oh, the, okay, this is the full disclosure. I look at, I pull into a gas station. Here we go. Um, and what caught my eye was an attractive guy getting out of a car and I look over to see who it might be. And on the back of his car is a Juanita Moore sticker like a giant <laughs> sticker on the back window of his SUV. And I was like, well, number one, at least he plays on our team. And number two, he supports Juanita Moore. Of course, hot guy I alert. That. I wonder who it was. Who I don't know. I don't know, but I'm sure Poyo got his number. I did not. I just <laughs> drove past and gawked. Now, um, does. to bring this kind of to a close, one of the things that Chris and I love doing here every week on on Bay Time is really trying to promote LGBTQ plus artists, musicians, and music has been such a humongous, significant part of your career and your identity for a long time as a traveling DJ and undernight underground nightlife producer and mogul. Who are some of your current queer musicians and favorite songs right now? Oof, I mean, um, that's tough because. Um, because both in music styles that I like to listen to and perform is jazz. So I'm listening to a lot of old jazz. One of the tracks I'm listening to a lot right now, which I hope to, I'm, it's, I'm, it's getting into my brain to lip sync, is called This World Today is a Mess. And it's by Donna Hightower. And I don't know how I came across this track, but it, the words could not be more relevant um, today as when she first recorded it. What you do and what you say has a lot to do in how you live today. What you want and what you make. Everybody knows it's only what you take or now or what you see and what you hear. When it comes around again, it's not going to be the same thing because you're going to say yes and they're going to say no and then everybody's going to start talking and talking and blah blah everywhere you go i'm also like this you know i grew up listening to disco who loves house music so i like i'm like i'm always listening for that style of combination of things i recently downloaded a track and i played it for mr david the other night and he was like where did you find that? I was like, I don't know. It was recorded in 1992. It's my new favorite dance jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was that song? Now I'm curious. It's, oh, that's called Pump the Jumping. Pump the Jumping. And it's by, it's by a, a group called Out Dance. And I am not joking. This is going to light up a dance floor Pump soon. And it probably did in 92, but it's going to relight it. Okay, it's fine. <laughs>
Danny dick, man. My dick. My crazy dick, baby. So let me tell you, baby. Every time I go to the store, man, I'm on my way to the store, man. You know what happens, man? I mean, I want to go get something to eat, man. Pop the choppy. You are somebody like us, you know, people associate you with everywhere. But I associated you as being one of my favorite people to go to your parties in Soma, like to hear those crazy underground tracks that I grew up loving. I'm, yeah. I know I look very fetal, but I'm actually significantly <laughs> old. And uh, so fetal. I, I love Chris, will you, will you take another glance over there for me, Chris, and see what she really looks like? Yeah, oh. well, I, I'm like, I just meant fetal position. Yeah, okay. Like flattering lighting in here too. Mm, uh, God, you know, my, my, uh, my mom and dad were huge music lovers and I actually have a lot of the vinyl that they, um, they had when we were growing up. Uh, I remember listening to Led Zeppelin, Janis mm. Joplin, Brazil 66, like I, the, their country and Western, Buck Owens. Like there was just uh, Ray Charles. It, all of that music was in my house at one time. And it was, and I'm still just so inspired by all that stuff. Well, I know that you have another meeting that you have to run to, Indeed. and I want to be mindful of that, but I'm so grateful that you decided to join us. I mean, nightlife legend, fashion icon, and the reigning empress of San Francisco, everyone, Juanita Moore. You can find out more about her at JuanitaMoore.gay. I love that. Juanita, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on Baytime today. I really appreciate it. I love you both. And please have me back. Of course. Juanita, why don't we have you back and do like a DJ set sometime? Oh yeah, that sounds good. I like that. I love that idea. Pop the jumpy. FF.FM
You're on Baytime. BFF.FM.
FM, you're on Baytime. I'm Christopher Beale. That's Pollo Del Mar. And this is our love letter to San Francisco's LGBTQIA community. Moving to Wednesday, midnight to 2 a.m. starting next week. And if you're not up at midnight to 2 a.m., that's fine. You can you can catch us the next day on rebroadcast on all of your favorite podcasting systems. We are available. You'll never miss an episode of On Bay Times. We understand midnight to 2 a.m. is and it's going to be a party kind of show. So you're going to love it. But like, you know, some people like to listen to the show on their way to work. Some people on their commute. In fact, it's a two hour show. So here's what I do. And I know you do this as well, Poyo. Um, I I loaded in my podcast feed Absolutely. so that I can then pause it when I get to what I'm doing and come back to it. And I, I mean, that show will last me a couple of days walking around the city. It's super fun. I think that this time slot is going to be really beneficial for us because we do bring the party vibe. And if you're up late and you want something to kind of like laugh along with, joke along with, listen to the hottest guests and we are working on, we already talked about it earlier in that interview with Juanita, maybe having some DJ sets coming on in this upcoming situation that we're going to be in. It's going to be so off the hook. And guests that we can get really real with. Like, um, we're we're not looking to pull punches when we talk to Todrick Hall next week. Like, we, we want to have a real conversation because Todrick Hall is one of the gays like us. And um, we're, you know, we, we want to chat with people and, and find the real because... I mean, I know for Pollo, this is important too, but representation matters and these queer artists matter. And uh, we're here to support them by not only playing their music, but uh, giving them a platform to talk about what's going on in their life. Because I think you'll relate to a lot of what these queer performers are going through. You know, one of the things that has been really special to me in my drag career is being involved in the media for all these years and meeting really cool people like, you know, not just Juanita Moore, who I was like, girl, text, text, you know, and like have her come on. But I have had some really interesting um, friendships develop over the years, as I'm sure you have. And I would love to be able to bring those people on and talk uh, without the confines of a 4 to 6 p.m. time slot or whatever, 2 to 4. I mean, we like, definitely dropped F-bombs and stuff. I today, know, but, but like, you know... Girl, whatevs. No, it, it, it matches the vibe. If you tune in at midnight, you're probably in the vibe that we're going to set for you. It's going to be fun. Exactly. And and you get to hear real intimate um, conversations with, with artists that are truly passionate about what they're doing. As I said, if you can't tune in live from 10 to 2 a.m., that's fine. We are more than happy to live in your favorite collection of podcasts that you listen to it whenever is convenient for you. I personally, even despite 
you know, co-hosting the show, love to listen to our product on my drive to work in the middle of the day. It allows me to pass the time listening to fantastic um, LGBTQ plus artists and musicians. We have a good vibe. We have a great chat. It, it really helps the day go by more quickly and it's entertaining. So I think the after two, after dark, Boyo Del Mar, after dark vibe is really what's best for us. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about Pride Month because we have a lot up our sleeves, so to speak, including um, getting, out of the, getting out of sleeve. the studio. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah. We have ideas. For, I mean, I want to do shows in the Castro. I want to do shows. Um, I want to do shows from Dolores Park. I want to... In our hammock. Hi, it's Christopher J. Beale reporting from Dolores Park. <laughs> I am currently in a hammock. Poyo Del Mar is pushing my hammock side to side with a exorbitantly high heel. Boyo, how's it going over there? Hey, girl, what's going on? Special thanks to Juanita Moore for joining us this week on Baytime. We're out of time but next week Wednesday June 2nd midnight to 2 a.m. our new time slot and our special guest is Todrick Hall I'm Christopher Beal I'm Poya Del Mar and you're on Baytime on BFF.FM